times we get down about things that happen in our lives, but the truth is we still can rejoice because our Lord is in control. He is the King. Amen. Let's stand together. Turn to page number one with me this morning. Page number one. And let's sing the second, third, and fourth verse of that song. Rejoice the Lord is King. On verse number two, page number one, sing it out with me up together. The Lord our Savior church this morning whether you're here in person or online we're thankful that you chose to spend the morning with us as we begin this morning we're going to ask brother wisdom if you would please open us in prayer this morning Amen. I ask you to be seated this morning. It is good to have each one of you here. Uh, if you're here this morning, have not been here maybe at all, or it's your first time, or maybe you're just visiting back with us. Our pastor is out of town. He's in Italy, and uh, we are thankful he's able to get away. Amen. And thankful he's able to enjoy that. Uh, I was speaking with him just uh, the other day, and they're having a great time, but I know uh, they are longing to be back with their church family as well. And so, uh, praising the Lord that we have a pastor that loves us enough to care about us while he's gone. Amen. And, uh, but I'm thankful they're able to get away and have that good time. They will be coming back Wednesday night late. Uh, so they will be back here this next Sunday uh, morning. So you'll see them again. But it is good to have in his absence the Copes family with us this morning. And uh, Brother Copes certainly been a blessing in my life. And I appreciate him and his wife very much. And uh, the uh, executive vice president of Heartland Baptist Bible College. And so thankful they're able to be here with us today. And looking forward to him preaching this morning and tonight. Amen. And uh, so be in prayer for him. And uh, also, I want to leave a few reminders with you, some announcements, some things that are coming up this week and throughout the month, just briefly. Um, If you have kids in Faith Baptist School, there's going to be some ball games this Friday here at the school uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. So keep that in mind. It'll be this Friday uh, night. 
And then uh, men, don't forget that we have the men's recharge coming up uh, here in just a few weeks. So the 22nd and the 23rd of September, we'll be leaving here around noon on Friday the 22nd. So make sure that you're here by then and should be back around 4 o'clock in the evening on Saturday the 23rd. There are more ball games coming up at the end of the month on the 29th. Those games are going to start at 5 p.m. And we back it up an hour because we're losing daylight, all right? And there's nothing worse than getting hit in the head with a softball when you can't see it coming at night, okay? So we back it up a little bit to give us a little more daylight time there. So keep that in mind that those times are different. And then that following Saturday will be our churchwide outreach at 1030 in the morning on the 30th. So be here, right, for that. Amen. So we can go out and spread the gospel in our area at 1030 in the morning on the 30th of September. And then don't forget that our fall revival starts October the 8th. All right, October the 8th through the 13th. We're looking forward to have Brother Dean Herring with us all week. And if you've not heard Brother Dean Herring preach, you're in for a treat. Amen. Uh, Just a real blessing that he is. And then a new development in that that I can tell you now is uh, we we received a phone call this week from Heartland, actually. And uh, so we're going to have Assurance Trio with us on the 8th. All right, so that Sunday, they're going to kick off our revival with us. They didn't know it was a revival. Brother Aaron said, I just felt like maybe a group could come up to your area. And I said, well, that, that works perfect. Let me check with Pastor. He said, do it. Let's have them in. So we will have Assurance Trio with us, at least for the morning service, possibly the evening as well, on Sunday the 8th. So we're excited about revival, amen? And looking forward to that, this, uh, this week begins our fasting and praying, okay? So... Uh, this week, uh, preacher said, is our choice. So whatever you feel like is uh, taking up a lot of your time or something you need to put away for the week, um, and then spend that time praying and getting ready, getting our hearts ready for what the Lord is going to do uh, that week of October the 8th. And so we're looking forward to that. So make sure this week, um, it can be anything you want. Um, for me, caffeine, and I'm struggling today. And I think we do that another time, but that's just something that we have to, that I have to do. And so um, just drinking water this week, as Brother C.J. Reeves told me earlier, it's probably good for you anyway. I said, you're probably right about that. So, but uh, anyway, trying to get through the sleepiness, amen? Not having that caffeine is something, but uh, it's good to, good to be in the Lord's house today and looking forward to what he has for us this morning, amen? Let's continue our singing this morning. If you would, turn to page number 221. Page number 221. How firm a foundation. I think we need to go ahead and stand again this morning. Page number 221. We're going to sing all verses. I just love the doctrine in this song. Sing it out with your hearts this morning. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, it is laid for your faith in his
wake up this morning, all right? It's beautiful outside. It was not that hot this week. You should not be tired. It is time to wake up this morning, all right? That is a good truth in that song, that God will never, ever leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never leave us without power or strength. We serve a good God, amen? Let's go ahead and turn to page 325. Page number 325. If you're saved, say amen this morning. Saved, saved, saved by his power divine. Page number 325. I found a friend who is all to me. Sing it out together. I found a friend who is all to me.
five if you lost the page number. Let's sing it out on that chorus together. Saved by his power divine. Saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete. For I'm saved, saved, saved on the last verse. When Great singing. Brother Tim, come right ahead. As the men come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Psalm 95, verse 1. It says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Brother Whitney, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated. song because he lives i can face tomorrow amen let's stand one last time turn to page 238 for our last song this morning page number 238 and can it be we'll sing all four verses this morning
Amazing love, how can it be that Thou, my God, shouldst die for me? If you're thankful for God's love, say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Wonderful singing. Just before the duet comes to sing this morning, just want to take the time to introduce Brother Copes. Um, I don't think he's a stranger to most in here this morning, but uh, maybe you've heard of him and maybe never met him. But um, Brother Copes, what year did you come to Heartland? Was it 2001? 2000? 2000. I thought that was probably right because it was my freshman year. About halfway through, I remember Brother Copes coming in. And uh, what a wonderful job he's done at Heartland Baptist Bible College. We're very thankful for him and his leadership. And uh, he can also preach, amen, was a pastor before, and uh, so thankful that he's able to be here with us this morning, and I know he'll be a blessing to you. So please just have your hearts open, let the Lord speak to you this morning as he moves, all right? And uh, right before he comes to preach, uh, we're going to have uh, Miss Phyllis Watson and Miss Carrie Quinlan come sing for you this morning. disciples went to buy bread, but he stayed at the well on that day. And a woman got more than she came there for. It's as if I can hear her say, because he stayed, I've been delivered. One more prisoner is free. Because he stayed, I've been forgiven. He's made a new person of me. What a great transformation. What sweet salvation. What hope and healing he gave. And I'm not the same since Jesus came. And I'm singing because he saved. the hill to the old wooden cross, but he could have refused it that day. He stayed there for me, no he wouldn't leave, till the price of my sin was paid. Because he stayed, I've been delivered, one more prisoner is free. Because he stayed, I've been forgiven, he's made a new person of me. What a great transformation, what sweet salvation, what hope and healing he gave. And I'm not the same since Jesus came, and I'm singing because he stayed. Because he stayed, I've been delivered. Because he stayed, I've been forgiven, he's made a new person of me. What a great transformation, what sweet salvation, what hope and healing he gave. And I'm not the same since Jesus came, and I'm singing because he stayed. And I'm not the same since Jesus came. 
Love, ladies. That was a blessing, wasn't it? So good to be here. This is our first time preaching here, and uh, we've known of this church for a good long time, and so we're very excited. Good to have my wife, Pam, with us this evening, this, this morning. And uh, we got to hang out with Carrie last night, went to, was it Johnny's Barbecue? We closed that place down. We stayed there a long time, and I thought they were going to bring their leftovers. I thought some restaurants will just bring you some of the food that's left over after the evening time, but they didn't do that, but enjoyed that. So enjoyed the services already. Brother Quinlan, your Sunday school lesson uh, was excellent. It really was. Appreciate that so much. The accommodations, the missions house, just so comfortable there. We're very thankful for all that we've already provided for us. And uh, I was telling Brother Eric uh, about just trying to get a, uh, an idea of how much time you all take on Sunday morning. He said, don't worry about time here. And uh, now I'm, I'm the wrong guy to tell that to. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, when I was pastoring just outside of Springfield, Missouri, when we just started pastoring, I was 33, 34. And we started off with five widow ladies. And they're all 74 years and up. And uh, within one month, they had nicknamed for me. They nicknamed me Little Pharaoh. And I said, why do you call me Little Pharaoh? And they said, because you never let God's people go. <laughs> referring, to, referring to the length of time I would preach on Sunday mornings, I would, I would preach around the world several times in one message. And, uh, so, but I will keep that in mind this morning. But I do want to encourage you this morning. This is my first time here. I'm always um, a little bit uh, on edge when I preach somewhere for the first time. But I want to try to really start all of us on the same page, and I want to lead us through the process here this morning so we can all end up on the same page, so we can really have that. And so as I kind of work us through this message, um, every time that you, you try to work along with me, I'd appreciate you just letting me know, because I'm the type of guy that if I feel like I'm losing you, I'm going to go back to the previous point, and that's going to get boring. Can I get an Amen. Uh, I mean, you know, you're going to say he's losing his mind. He keeps on repeating things. Well, it's because I think you're not coming along with me. So let me know you're coming along with me just by a good amen every once in a while. Amen. Uh, now, if you just throw in a bunch of amens to get me done quick, that's wicked. That's called, that's not fair at all. All right. But let me know that you're coming along with me because I really, I have a, a real burden this morning to really get us to a particular place all at the end of the, the service. The title of the message is this. Who's really in control? Who is really in control? With that in mind, I'd invite your attention to John chapter 18. Is this my water right here? Good. I didn't see any lipstick on it, so I thought it was safe to drink it. This evening's message, as the Lord is directing me right now, is basically uh, the New Testament church's response to a woke culture. So I'm really excited about that this evening. And we're not going to be getting into politics per se. We're going to go into the Bible and look what the Bible says the New Testament church is supposed to do when we face the things that we're facing right now in this country. When I say, I didn't know it was there, it's there. We're going to look into the New Testament and we're going to find what the, really what the Bible says the New Testament is supposed to do when we have a woke culture. And uh, if you don't come back, I'm going to preach on backsliders. And uh, you could be my illustration, amen, so... I hope you come back this evening, I really do. So who's in control? John chapter 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, I'm just going to stop and pause right there. That's a reference to he's just had the last supper with the disciples when it says these words. That's, so just picture this, this last time he's had that intimate time with the disciples, the men that he trusted, 
the men that he's going to turn his earthly ministry over. So when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where was a garden into which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. I'm going to insert this word. Why? Why would Judas know this place? Well, here's the answer. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. And Judas used to be numbered amongst the what? The disciples. Verse 3, Judas then, having received a band, think of this, at least 500 plus men. A band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Why would 500 plus men come with lanterns, torches, and weapons just to go after the disciples and Jesus. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, look at this, he should know all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Then the band... And the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. Heavenly Father, as we bow before you this morning, Lord, I recognize that this would be a time where many preachers, and myself included, would ask for your help with the preaching, with the rest of the service, Lord, I don't want to do that this morning because I don't want to have a pretense that I'd like to have anything to do with the rest of the service. Lord, I'd like to have nothing to do with it. Lord, would you do what only you can do this morning? Would you do this morning in the lives of your people what only you can do so you can get the praise, so you can get the glory? Lord, would you please move amongst us today? And we ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, I'm going to be repetitive a little bit. Repetition is a great teacher. I'm not losing my mind if I go over some things. It's, although I may be losing my mind, I don't know yet. I guess you don't know when you start to lose your mind. But just picture this. Jesus has just had the, the last supper with his disciples. There's, there's been this, this time of the Passover. There's been this time of, 
all of these animal sacrifices and Jesus and His disciples are now coming out of this city and they're walking down into this valley. It's called the Kidron Valley. And they come upon the Kidron Brook. Obviously, the Kidron Brook runs through the Kidron Valley. The locals would call this brook during this time of the Passover the Bloody Brook. That was the brook's middle nickname, if you would, for the locals. And so Jesus is now coming down through the Kidron Valley, and He comes up, we see it right there in our passage, that He walks over the Bloody Brook, the Kidron Brook. It's called the Bloody Brook by the locals is because during this week of the Passover, there would be a lot of animal sacrifices. And every time that you'd have an animal sacrifice, you'd have to clean everything all up again because you'd want it to be clean for the next sacrifice. And I don't know all of the details, but I would imagine in this city, which is extremely overcrowded at this time, you'd have to have some type of way to get rid of the wastewater. Just a city in itself, you have to get rid of the wastewater. Now, they probably had some type of gutter system, maybe some trench system uh, through this sidewalk in the street or down this alleyway, and maybe they connected to some other trenches, if you would, or a trough system, and then it all kind of connected together, and it would empty into the local water treatment plant that managed by the EPA. (laughs) The EPA didn't exist back then, but it did empty into the local water system, the Kidron Brook. That's why it was named the bloody brook. So all of Jesus' disciples and Jesus who is 100% God and 100% man, if you ask me to explain that to you, I'm just going to tell you I can't. But I know the Bible says that He is 100% God, 100% man. So by faith I take that and Jesus, 100% man, 100% God, would have noticed the bloody brook and He knows all things that should come upon Him. Can I get an amen? So that He knows as He continues down this path And as he walks over this bloody brook, and now he comes up over here to the other side of the Kidron Valley, to the Garden of Gethsemane, he knows that as he walks over that bloody brook, in my mind, he's illustrating this. The blood that I'll be providing over here is going to replace that blood. Aren't you glad that Jesus' blood replaces all those animal sacrifices? Some of us would have to do a lot of animal sacrifice for our sins, me included. And Jesus now walks up to the other side of the, the Kidron Valley. We, we, we know from another parallel passage that it's actually the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's there and he's been here before many times. And I don't know, but I've read before that the, the owner must have given Jesus some keys to maybe get into the gate there. I don't quite know, but he's been there before. We even know that from a, this passage that he's been there oft times. And we know from another parallel passage that he actually invites his disciples to join him in what? Prayer. And those close associates, those that he's going to turn his earthly ministry over to, they end up falling asleep. And Jesus has a time of prayer to where it's so stressful. Because again, he knows all things that should come upon him. He starts to sweat so much that drops of blood were coming through the pores of his skin. Again, he's all God and all man. And he knows all things. The disciples must have awoke. Jesus, we see from this passage, he sees these 500 men plus and Judas walking down the same path he just walked. He's been with them in the city for days. They didn't want to touch him. They didn't want to touch him in the public. 
And they came with weapons and torches and lanterns because somehow, maybe through Judas, they thought that Jesus was going to fight back. That's why they brought their weapons. They thought the Savior would put up a big fight. They thought that the Savior and the disciples would run into the night. That's why they brought their lanterns. They thought that he might hide within the bushes and the, and the shrubs and the fields. And so that's why they brought their torches. They might have to torch Jesus and the hiding disciples out. But did you notice what Scripture says? That says that Jesus went forth. So he's here. He's here on the high side of the, the, the valley, and they're walking up. And Jesus, and you think of the title of the message, who's really in control of this? Jesus steps forth, and he says, whom seek ye? How many of you think Jesus knew who they were looking for? Come on. Absolutely. I mean, but he's showing even verbally that he is in control of this situation. He starts the dialogue off. And note, he's not hiding from them. He says, whom seek ye? And they, and they just shouted back at him, Jesus of Nazareth. And he just says, I am. He just, he just calls out one of his Old Testament names, and he just, I am. Amen. And you know what happens? 500 plus guys with their weapons and torches and lanterns fell backward. <laughs> I mean, that's powerful. Can I, can I just ask this question? Are we starting to see that Jesus is in control of this situation? He just knocks him over. Did you notice this? He didn't reach into a leather pouch and, and just start to spread a bunch of pixie dust on them, and that, that's why they fell over? No, that didn't happen. He didn't take a white hanky and wave it, and then they fall over? No, that didn't happen. He didn't speak in any type of foreign tongue that nobody knew what he was saying, and then they fell over? No, that didn't happen. He just said, I am. And they went backwards. Wow. There is proof here that there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. There was back then and there is today. Amen. Man, I can't imagine this. This is not in Scripture, but I can imagine as these soldiers started to get back up, they started to brush off their backsides. And this is just my thinking here. And I'm imagining as they're picking up their, their weapons, I'm sure they're saying this. Did you get knocked over too? Yeah, I got knocked over. Did you get knocked over? Yeah. All of us, all of us got knocked over. Every one of us got knocked over. Captain, did you get knocked over? All of us got knocked over. And I can't imagine, but I can only imagine that somehow they just said, it had something to do with that guy up there. I mean, when we said Jesus of Nazareth, he just said, I am. And we all went backwards. And, you know, I, I don't know. But then we also know from, another, from the, the passage that we just read, Jesus asked them again, whom seek ye? Now, I don't know what they said, but I know what I would have said to the other soldiers. Don't answer him. Nobody answer him. <laughs> don't get into even the dialogue with this man. And they went backwards. Man, alive. It's an incredible thing to think about. Just ponder that. The demonstration of him having that much control that he just said, I am. And they went backwards. That's an amazing thing. I can't really illustrate that. It would take too many of us to stand up and fall over. But it's, I want you to really picture that. Now, you and I have to work hard at picturing that. But Peter, man, he was right there. He was shoulder to shoulder with Christ. He was what we would call an eyewitness to the demonstration of that power. And Peter, who was right there, decides that he needs to jump in. 
and pulls out a sword. Now, inside of my Bible, I've got Simon Peter, the knucklehead, right here. Now, I, I like to illustrate when I, when I preach a little bit, I, and so I'm going to illustrate Simon or Peter drawing out that sword, but I'm going to need someone to help me with being Malchus, and Tim Quinlan has so been so kind to volunteer to do Let's give Tim a big hand for volunteering to do this. Come on up here, Tim. This is going to be good. So listen, you're going to be Malchus. I'm going to be Peter. You're going to stand over here. You're going to need the hanky because we don't want blood to spill on the carpet. I don't have a sword, but I've got a plastic knife. So I'm going to cut off Tim's right ear. And, and I can do this because he's a graduate of Heartland. And so it's just kind of a standing thing we have at Heartland. If you graduate from Heartland, did you graduate? We just ask you to leave. No, you graduated. No, I'm joking. So I'm going to come at his, and I'm going to swipe. Now, now, listen, there's no way Peter was really wanting to get Malchus's ear. You would not pull a sword out with 500 guys over here and want to just say, oh, I think I'll just cut his ear off. That's about as crazy as, well, like boxing somebody and biting his ear while you're boxing him, all right? Remember when that happened several years ago, all right? No, he was going after Malchus's head. Any of us guys will pull out a sword and say, I'm taking his head off. So he must have, while he was striking at his head, Tim, Malchus must have leaned over that way. That's going to be your action. And then Malchus must have screamed. So I want you so that we don't, because I'm going to come at the ear. Put the hanky to the ear. Keep the blood flow from stopping it. We want a clotting action here. And then, and then a manly scream. No girly, girly scream, all right? We'll go slow a couple of times. Repetition's a great teacher, amen? <laughs> so Peter, again, he's an eyewitness. He doesn't have to imagine this scene. The power of Christ has been demonstrated to him. He's shoulder to shoulder with Christ. Christ just knocked over all of these guys by just saying, I am. Peter, the knucklehead, the guy who wants a little bit of control himself. Figuratively, it's like he just says, Jesus, I know what you just did, but can you kind of step aside because I'd like to take this one on myself. I'd like to take care of this enemy myself. I think I can take him out. So he pulls out his sword because he wants to have a little control he comes at Malchus, I'm going to swing, you lean over, scream. Ah! He has a high tolerance for pain, all right? I believe Malchus screamed louder than that. We know from another parallel passage, Jesus actually picks up the ear and puts it back on Malchus. Now, I don't know what the Lord said to Peter, but I'm thinking the look was this. What are you doing? Didn't you just see what I did a moment ago? What are you thinking, Peter? And then the ear is healed. Again, demonstrating that who's in control? Jesus. Repetition's a great teacher. Peter, a man who's walked with Christ now, as best as we can get her, somewhere around three years. A man who has a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus isn't a figurehead to him. Jesus is his personal, 
He's a friend. He's a disciple. He's a believer. He's seen Jesus do some incredible things in some lives of some people. I mean, this man stood shoulder to shoulder to watch miracle after miracle after miracle. Demonstration of power, a demonstration of power that Jesus Christ had. If he was here and if he was to give a testimony, he would say, oh, what Jesus did for old so-and-so and old so-and-so did in that family. And what Peter would say, what Jesus did in my life. But it's almost like Peter just pushed Jesus to the side, pulled out his sword. Because why? Because he likes control. And he comes over here, cuts off Malchus's ear. Ah! <laughs> he means it more than that. And he doesn't take care of this enemy. I'm thinking this, Malchus is even mad now. He just injured him. Probably angered him. Because Peter just whipped out his sword and started to hack aimlessly. Zeal unleashed, forgetting what he knows is so true. Jesus is in control. But Peter wants a little control himself. What a knucklehead. Well, Peter isn't even here. It's kind of fun to pick on people when they're not here. But he's gone. It doesn't matter anymore in Peter's life. So we can't pick on Peter, really. So let's pick on me. I've walked with the Lord. I've seen him do some incredible things in, in my own life, in the life of others. But I like to have control because I'm a male. And there's times that I push Jesus to the side. I pull out my sword which is like a silly plastic knife. And I just start to hack and whack. Hack and whack. And you know who I usually end up hurting first? Her. My wife. Soon after her, will be my daughter. We're friends. And as I work for my family, then oftentimes I work through my church family. And I hack and whack and hurt them because I'm aimlessly trying to have control and take the control away from Christ. That's right. So now we picked on Peter. We picked on Jeff. That's me. Now let's pick on Tim. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and Tim represents you. Now I don't want to get anybody mad at me, but I'm leaving tomorrow. (laughs) Tim's just like you. And Tim's just like me. And just like Peter. We pull out our sword because we want to have control. We start hacking and whacking. Our way through life's problems. Through situations. And Jesus is... Hasn't he demonstrated enough that he does a much better job of controlling situations and problems and taking care of the enemy than you and I? Can I get an amen? I mean, look at, look at the size of Tim compared to me. He's much bigger and this silly plastic knife. This is ridiculous. I would never, I mean, 
It is not going to do anything. Come on. Sorry, Tim. That wasn't in my notes. Seriously. I mean, look at I'm going to do a thing where the Lord says, put up your sword. So I, again, I, I'm just trying to illustrate. So what would that look like to, to put up the sword? I don't have a sword, but I've got this, I think will show the illustration. I've just got another pocket knife. Now this is a different pocket knife. This is a, this is a big one. This is a big one. This, this is me doing it on my own. This is me putting Jesus to the side. This is me ignoring the power upon relying upon Christ. This is now me putting away the sword and giving Christ control of the situation. Now, I'm really going to illustrate this. <laughs> Mom's over here. Wait a minute, brother. Yeah. So in reality, Brother Tim, do you want to keep on doing life this way or this way? You, you, do you want to keep on trying to raise your family, sir, this way or this way? Ma'am, how are you doing raising the children this way versus this way? How are you doing, sir, trying to quit something? You fill in the blank. This way or this way? Adults, if these young people could learn this compared to this and start their life off this way, would they save themselves from a lot of trouble? Yep. Well, do you know how young people learn? They watch. How you do it, adults. This way or that way. They watch it. It's, it's, it's like an ongoing movie for them. It's in your home. Your home might look normal here to everybody else, but when you go back home, it's this way. It's wild. It's reckless. Trying to do it on your own. I've tried this. And this lady right here got hurt. I don't want to hurt her anymore. So do you know what happens? Not every Sunday, but daily, I put up the sword and I give God control as best as I can on a daily basis. This isn't once and then for all. I battle this just like you do. We want to have control. We often think we can take care of the enemy ourselves. We can't. Go ahead and be seated, Brother Tim. So we see that Jesus was in control. Peter missed it. The Lord demonstrates it again, puts the ear back on. And then the last verse that we read, they actually took Jesus and they bound him. As best as I can determine through a study, they actually put, more than likely, they put his hands like this in front of him and then they took a leather strap and just wrapped it 
around his hands, and then they drug him to where it would ultimately be. They were starving him. He was unlawfully tried twice. He was beaten by Roman soldiers who were trained to really hurt someone. They plucked hair out of his beard. They whooped his back where he would have flesh hanging from his back. They never scourged the individual to kill him. They scourged the individual to bring him close to death because they wanted him to die basically quickly on the cross. They didn't want, it was so ugly. The scourging was to bring so much pain but to hold off before death. They spat upon him. They stripped him. They hit him on the head with a rod. And then we still have to answer this question. Who's in control of this situation? In Isaiah, we read this, that Jesus put his back to the cross. They didn't push him down and hold him down and then nail him to the cross. No, he put his back to the cross. Then he hung on that cross in a fixture that he couldn't even gain a, a full breath of air all that time on the cross. John chapter 19. We find these words where Jesus says this. It is finished. Meaning this. The work of redemption is now done. Completed. What his father wanted him to do. The Savior completed it. Scripture tells us that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That isn't in the past. That's actually written in present tense. Jesus Christ is still wanting to seek and to save those that are lost. If you're here this morning and you're trying to whittle your way into heaven, trying to hack your way through it, maybe this is one denomination you'll try tomorrow, next week you'll try another denomination, maybe you'll try to, maybe you'll try to even be here, be really good at, at attendance or be good at, at tithing and you're just going to say, I'll do this my way. There is no other way other than through Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible tells us that. But we like to have control over things. We like to do things our way. If you try to do this your way to get to heaven, you might be as good as the best person in this whole congregation. And if you don't have Jesus as your personal Savior, you're going to end up in hell. But I'm a good guy. Good people that reject Jesus Christ will get rejected by God one day if they continue to reject Jesus. If you're here this morning, in a few moments, we're going to have an invitation. And if you're here lost, meaning you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I didn't say if you're a member of this church. Membership of a church has nothing to do with salvation. You will not find membership in a church related to salvation in the Bible. You won't. But if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I, I, I did now over 40 years ago, the third Sunday of February, 1983, at 1809 Queen Street in Titusville, Florida. It means nothing to you. Small little town, a small little house. 11.32 at night, raised in a Christian home. I was a drug baby. My mother drugged me to church all the time, all the time. I was raised in a Christian church just like this. And at the age of 20, I finally realized, I'm lost. 
I remember getting off the couch there at my parents' house and just kneeling and asking Jesus, please forgive me. Please save me. Please wash me clean. I have faith. I'm trusting what you did for me on the cross can actually be what I can trust to get me to heaven. I got up off my knees that night, changed. Well, it wasn't that I just changed instantly, but the process was starting. My heart's desires started to change. I, I, I was a smoker. I would smoke probably a pack a day. The, the, the smoking was, was a difficult thing to quit, but the Spirit of God helped me quit it. I would smoke marijuana, and back then we just called it pot. It was a pothead. And I could never have quit that on my own. I drank. I could never have, but the Spirit of God changed my heart's desires, things I wanted to do. I was changed. In the privacy of your own heart, somewhere in your own heart right now, is there anywhere in your own private heart that needs to change today? If so, why don't you bring it to the Lord and let him have control over that situation instead of you trying to control it? And if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior during this invitation, during this altar call, you're going to see, I don't know, maybe many, I don't know, but Christians coming down forward and praying here, there, here, there, thanking the Lord for their salvation, thanking the Lord for, for really dying for them. And, and then you could come forward too and come and meet the preacher and just say, Preacher, I just want to get saved. And I'll show you in the Bible a simple process how you can take what's in the Bible and say this prayer and leave this building changed forever with heaven as your eternal home. If you're here and you're saved this morning, you're a believer, you've trusted Christ as your Savior, which is you? This? Hey, how are you doing? Doing it your way. How's it going, sir? Doing it your way. Ma'am? Or would you like to do it God's way? And let him have control over it. I don't know how to conduct an invitation at a church I've never been to before other than just to lay it right out there before you. We're going to have an invitation. Uh, We're going to stand and we're going to have, I believe, someone playing the piano. And you're going to be invited to do business with God. If God's been speaking to you, it would just be purely rude if you didn't speak back to him. I don't want to drag the invitation on this morning, not anything. It's 12.04 right now. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you're doing business with God, I need you to help me. I need you to show me if I should continue with the invitation or shut her down. The only way that you can show me is either step out from your pew and find a place down here to pray. That means I'm doing business with God. Or you'll be seated there and you'll do business there in your, your pew. If you're standing, which is fine, you're giving me the sign, you're manifesting this, I don't need any more time, shut her down. And when everybody's standing, we're done, and I can see it, we'll shut her down. But I don't know you all well enough to know whether you're doing business with God. Please don't let me drag this invitation on. And please don't let me close this invitation down with the Holy Spirit working. You've got to let me know. I only know two ways. Either come down here and let me know because you're praying 
or you're seated in your pew doing business with God. If you're here this morning and you need some help and you don't want to walk forward, just raise your hand up and, and I will quietly, not even knowing your name, I'll quietly direct some of the staff to come back right where you're at and to pray with you. If you come to the front here, we're not going to call your name out and you want to raise your hand, we'll have somebody come pray with you to help you. Why? Because we want to help you. We want to help you to put up your sword and give God your life. Let him have control of all that's in the future for you. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?